Do you like fantasy sports? If you're listening to this, we're sure you do. Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and get started on building your dynasty. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player values. Hosted by Russ Fisher, Izzy Elkafoss, and Akash Patel. Welcome back, everybody. Dynasty Trade Calculator flagship podcast. Russ, Izzy, and Akash all here, ready to use said Dynasty Trade Calculator to help you all get better at trading because we can all still get better. I can get better. Akash can get okay. Izzy, the master already, right? Can't get any better. And since this is the Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast, we figured let's just talk about a couple of Dynasty trades. So, we went through the Twitters, we went through the internets, we went through my trade history because I wanted to talk about one of my trades. And what's the point of hosting a show if we can't talk about my stuff for a little bit? So let's just jump right into it. And we're going to go over my trade first because that's just the order I put them in. 12 team, super flex, PPR, tight end premium, which is 1.75 points per reception for tight ends. Here is the trade. Now I need you guys to listen because there's a couple of pieces. Most of them don't matter. Kyle Pitts, Jameis Winston, and Isaiah Spiller. Mm -hmm. Four, Jalen Hurts, Leonard Fournette, Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, Albert Okwegbenum. It's a lot to remember. I told you, there's a lot of pieces. Can you... uh... Can I get the country of origin, please? <laughs> Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> I think I'm going to take the Hurts side here, even in tight end premium, even with Pitts, and even with me not liking Hurts. Because that's some really crazy pieces on the... I mean, it's not like crazy, like you're getting multiple firsts on top, but you're getting some really solid pieces on top of Hurts there. Like, multiple players were top 12 at their position. Like, you could see them finishing that way in this year scoring and then some cheaper guys who I think have good upside. Like Landry is pretty cheap, but I think he could be top 24 or even top 12 if he just gets a bunch of targets because he can, because that's what he's done his entire career. And Alberto is an interesting upside play because he's been good on a small sample per route basis and he's athletic. So there's some stuff there that could say he could be really good full-time tight end. We don't know if it's going to translate. It doesn't always translate, but there's definitely upside there. Not a big spiller guy. Winston is a good good QB too, but, and obviously I like Kalpitz because who doesn't like Kalpitz, but honestly with all the stuff that's added on to the Hurts side, and with Hurts, even if you don't believe in him as a passer, being a probably top eight quarterback this year, depends on your passing touchdown settings, but that seems about right for Hurts there. Honestly, I'm taking that side. 
I prefer the Kyle Pitt side in this. Um, for one year, it's the Jalen Hurts side, but after this year, it's a complete. I mean, it could be a complete mystery for what happens with Leonard Fournette, Jarvis Landry, Albert O. I think Keenan Allen still has multiple years. So I'm going to break this down into kind of looking at it from a from a one- and two-year perspective. You could make the case for the Jalen Hurts side. But the three- to five-year outlook, I'm on the pit side. So that's the way I'm going to approach it. So I'm taking the pit side into 175 tight end premium. Jameis Winston is definitely a good stopgap for a year if you need a quarterback. And honestly, Jalen Hurts is not anything guaranteed long-term either. So I think if this, if Jalen Hurts was a little bit like a, if that was Lamar Jackson versus Jalen Hurts, even like a Dak Prescott, let's not go Lamar because it's a little too high. If it was Dak. That was a little too far. I was about to say. Yeah. Let's say it's Let's say it's buttons Dak. would have been smashed if that was Lamar Jackson. Right. Let let's say let's yeah. say it's Dak. Then I would probably take the Dak side very but it'd be very close for me. Okay. So I actually agree with Izzy on the fact when he said three to five year, this is easily the pit side. Yeah, that's 100 percent right. But um you have to factor in the time it takes to get to three to five years. Like that's a crazy that's a crazy time discount. It takes three to five years. But okay, so let's get the numbers out of the way. Without the unbalanced trade reduction, this is 84.2 on the Hertz side to 65.1 on the Pitt side. Mm-hmm. When you put it in, it's 67.3 to 65.1, which is why I said I did not want to include that button. But also because the amount of low level pieces in here, I don't think you put on the reduce the unbalanced trade reduction because do those really matter in the long run in a trade where it's really a one for three with some smaller little pieces just to make (laughs) us feel good about it uh and and that's honestly what it was like this trade uh was going back and forth with me and someone else for a long time and really all it took was like just throwing jarvis landry um so gross (laughs) okay so here's the thing i did this for no real reason and it's really just because I wanted to win this year and I already have Kelsey on my team. And so Alberto is just like a pretty piece in the long run if he hits, but Jameis was my QB too. I get Jalen hurts who, even if it's just this year, I think he gets a job somewhere else. If he's magically not the QB of the Eagles next year or year after, I should say. And like Akash said before, with his legs, he has top 10 upside easily Fournette, top 10 easily keenan allen is just awesome jarvis landry will if anything be the most trustworthy wide receiver on the team whether he scores the, scores the most fantasy points is clearly yet to be seen who knows and albert o has that upside i i like the idea of albert o i don't have i don't have the faith that he's going to be an every week starter or anything but he was thrown in the trade so it, the reason I wanted to talk about this is I I honestly ended up doing this in the end because how do you trade Kyle Pitts? How do you trade Kyle Pitts and feel good about it? Real quick, Akash, without naming names if you don't want to, what was that trade when someone, when you asked someone what they want for Pitts, what was their response? Oh, yeah. So I, it's just a home league with my friends. So it's not, I'm not going to feel too offended by it, but I asked him what he wants for Pitts. 
and he says three twenty three firsts and Garrett Wilson. And that was a bit much for me. I had to close it down right there. Exactly. And honestly, that's what it would take for me to feel good about trading away Kyle Pitts. Does that mean I should have just held on to him? Yeah, probably. But yeah, I, I have an, I have a problem. Uh, you're but, getting you're getting the here's the thing. You're getting. Pitts is the best asset in the yep. deal, right? Mm-hmm. Easily, and yeah. that in itself, he's a he's in the, he's the best asset in this trade, even if it's a a small premium, right? So now he's an even oh, bigger even if premium. There's no premium; it might still be Pitts. You can make the case, yeah, true. Even if there's no premium, you could make the case that Pitts is is more valuable than Hurts. So now you're getting. I a, think. Yeah, it should be a lot closer. They're pretty much they're even. It's thirty-seven to thirty-seven point two. Okay. Hertz. Yeah. So I don't think Fournette, Allen, Landry, and Albert O make up the difference in one seven five. You know, I kind of look at Jameis Winston as pretty undervalued. I, I don't. I don't feel like his job is. I think his job is pretty solid for, for a year. year. I yeah. well, I think it's solid for the year yeah, after. It's, also. it's tough because once you leave your first team, then you're always going to be seen as like a. So I don't know what the term I was looking for, but you're always going to be like, not like a marked man, but like you always have that, I don't know, stigma on you, like the same way that uh, you're not seeing the franchise guy anymore, basically. And so it's, you're always like basically going year to year with those kind of guys, like a Carson but Wentz or something. the Saints don't have a first next year and they don't yeah. have any money. I mean, they can make money. They've so, done it before. So he could be the quarterback for one year, two years. It's just that I would, eh, you know. And it's not like his price reflects this, but I wouldn't be confident in, in him past more than a couple of years. So let me break this down. If let's view, I view Jamison Spiller, let's say Jamison Spiller is equivalent to Leonard Fournette. I was going to say like Landry and Albert okay. O. So then we cross out the ancillary pieces and make it a, a true three for one. Yeah, I, no. I don't I don't think I'd much rather have Winston and Landry and Alberto. I don't think anyone's trading Winston for Landry and Alberto. That's the But I think I think I think Spiller and Winston for, for Fournette is a, a reasonable trade. Yeah, I'll take that. Right, but they're small enough so that it's like uh, even if it's like a little bit off, the idea is there. Yeah, I but let's just let's just take those out. This is how I'm gonna approach this. I'm taking out Fournette for Spiller and Winston. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. And now I'm left with Hertz. Allen, Landry, and Albert O for Pitts, and I don't think that's enough. But when you take out Leonard Fournette, who yeah, even though he's an old running back, has the capability for top 10 or top 5 production for Jameis Winston and Isaiah Spiller, you're making the trade look a lot worse. Because I would easily take Leonard Fournette over those two. I don't know. It's a starting quarterback. I don't know if everyone would, though. Yeah, I for me, it, it would be I, I don't know. I think I'd I'd almost rather have Winston and Spiller than Leonard Fournette. Honestly. And it's it's clearly going to be team dependent, of course. Mm-hmm. But with Winston, if he has a job, he produces in fantasy. Like he just yeah. does. So he's not like sexy by any means. He's not going to be your, you know, looking forward likely your five year starter, but if he gets a starting gig for an entire season, which I guess is TBD, um, he's a top fifteen quarterback in in in, in redraft. So, and, and Leonard Fournette, who knows with White there, who knows what his role is? Apparently, he's out of <laughs> shape again, coming in. So it's just I don't know. I I just don't always trust Leonard Fournette for some reason. I just can't get behind. Yes, he got paid, but I just can't get behind Leonard Fournette. I'll take the fat Lenny discount. 
<laughs> no, yeah, anyways, and I yeah. get it. It is not the pretty package you would want to see for trading away pits. And that's what made me so, you know, scared to actually accept it. But with the way that team looks, with the way I just really felt like saying, I'm going to go try and win. Let's see what happens. I felt good about this. Good enough to hit accept, I guess, is what it comes down to. So, so you gave up pits. I thought right. I'd never see the day. See, the, I mean, yeah. I don't yeah know. It, in three years, guys, like here's the thing. In three years, there isn't – I need a piece where in three years – There I'm is in, nothing on my team right now that is going to be on my <laughs> team in three years. Okay. Depending on what type of league this it's is and how active right? it is, the only piece that, yeah. the only piece that you're going to flip for anything near Kyle Pitts is Jalen Hurts, assuming that he has a great season. Other than oh, that, these other guys, yes. you're not. So you got to – you're putting way too much equity into Jalen Hurts. Plus a lot of points. Plus, well, yeah. Plus, but I'm, sa- I'm talking just equity. I'm not a, I'm not a firm believer in. Well, I got a great team for one year because shit happens. So oh, yeah. when yeah, people make trades and they, and they, they, they take on these one year pieces, you're really, I don't look at that as a. Well, you've just upgraded your chances significantly for winning year one. It's still a crapshoot. I mean, we got yeah. so much time in a season for things to just hit the fan. That's true. There's a lot of things that are unpredictable. Uh, like like you said, it's unpredictable what your team's going to look like in season and what your like, right. actual like, scoring in the playoffs going to be because it's only like one week and make or break your season. But it's also really hard to predict what players right. are going to be valued three years down the line or five years down the line. Yeah, it, it is, it's 100% true. But when you look at a, a trade like this, but a 27-year-old running back and a 30-year-old wide receiver three years from now. Yeah. Undeniably, those guys are going to age out. But the the main pieces of Hurts and Pitts, we don't know what their value is going to look like in three years. Correct. We but have an we, idea, but it's but really uncertain. The, if you're talking about value yeah. insulation, Kyle Pitts, oh, Pitts is, is the arguably the number one most insulated player outside of QBs. Yeah, non-QB, yeah. 100% I, I get he that. He's up there with, um, with JJ yeah. and Chase. Yeah, so you could be looking at a 21-year-old Kelsey-type production for the next however many years, however long, and that's just going to be more and more valuable as we move forward, not only during this season, but potentially going into next season. So he's not only the highest-valued player, he's yeah. also by far the most insulated in this deal. Mm-hmm. He also has significantly more upside than 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 Hertz. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I would say that they have similar upside from a yeah from a value. I mean, I think Hertz has higher upside just because he yeah. rushes and plays QB. Uh, do you do you ever like? S- I don't think Hertz is going to be a good passer, but if he is a good passer, then he has the upside to be the uh, number one asset in fantasy. It's a it's the tail end of his outcomes, but mm. he does have that upside. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I won't. Yeah, sure. It's in some sort of crazy range of outcomes. I agree with you. Yeah, but it, it's there. But anyways, I mean, we talked about this trade for a while. I just, yeah, I, I, I see the, I see the case for the hurt close, side. Yeah. Um, and like I said, if it was Dak, I would be like, okay, because I feel confident not only Dak in the, he gives me a confident one to five year range that matches Pitts's confident one to mm-hmm. five year range. So I'm getting all these other pieces to help bolster my next two years. So that deal makes sense. I'm just looking at this from Hertz being just too, uns- just too much uncertainty with Hertz in that one to five year range for me to pull the trigger on a deal like this. I just need a stronger piece 
a more solidified piece than Hertz if I'm giving up Pitts. That's it. Okay. So end tally. I like my side. Akash likes my side. Izzy does. And two to one, I win. Yep. You Perfect. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> the next trade we have is an interesting one. It is Cam Akers and a 23 first for Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to go first. If I could, I'm very okay selling Christian McCaffrey for Cam Akers and a 23 first. I love the idea of Christian McCaffrey from two years ago. What's what I need someone to tell me what are the chances that Chris McCaffrey walks in and is Christian McCaffrey from two years ago? Um, whatever the chances so, that he gets hurt are like a hundred minus that. <laughs> but I mean, there's also more to take into account because what if the Panthers are like, well, we're not going to be good this year. So maybe we don't completely kill the man we just gave a lot of money to and has been hurt the past two years. If he gets less touches, then his chance of injury goes down. Yeah, but his appeal is the fact that he got 99% of the backfield touches. And, and that's not exaggeration. That's happened. Like 80, 90% of Christian McCaffrey is a top one running back. That's how good to Christian McCaffrey from two years ago is. And, you know, when he's on the yeah, field. But are we getting that? Is what I'm asking. Like, I mean, over the last two seasons, when he's on the field, like in the games he's played 50% of the snaps, he's never failed to hit 25 points in a single game. Like, undeniably high floor, high ceiling. There's a reason, like, we love Christian McCaffrey from two years ago because McCaffrey from two years ago is an absolute cheat code. And he absolutely still has that in his range of outcomes. And I'd argue that if he doesn't get hurt, then you're going to be looking at the best running back in football 25 points per game. Okay. So, are you picking McCaffrey over Akers in the first? Is he? Yeah. So here's the the interesting thing with McCaffrey. I know he dealt with some injuries last season, the whole thing, and the year before that he dealt with injuries. And my coach was saying, well, if he reduces workload and less points and all of that, I mean, he only averaged 14 carries a game last season. So in, in seven games. Now, and I get it, he wasn't 100% for all seven of those games. and Yada, yada, yada. But I kind of look at McCaffrey as he's kind of going into running back. It's the it's the no man's land age-wise. So, like, he's going at age 26. If he gets hurt again, his value just completely tanks. Like, nobody's going to give him another chance. So you have that risk. The reason why I like the Acres on the 23 first side is when we talk about range of outcomes, Akers has a pretty high range of outcomes. Like he, he has a, a high ceiling from a range of mm -hmm. outcomes perspective. There's not a lot behind him. It really comes down to if he can recover from that injury. And with McCaffrey, his range of outcomes is also very high, but his injury factor has significantly increased over the last couple of years. So yeah, Akers definitely has that. But the one thing that will not get hurt is a 23 first. So I'm getting that that piece guaranteed. So no matter what happens in the season, I'm eliminating my my injury risk. I'm eliminating my just even the Acres risk of him not being him. He might not be what Acres was before the injury. I mean, he wasn't that great, right? Yeah, coming back from the injury last season. I get it. He was rushed, but I look at this and 
I can see a scenario where Akers puts up more fantasy points than Christian McCaffrey, likely due to McCaffrey's injury. If they're both healthy and play 16, a full 17 slate, McCaffrey's going to outproduce Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, there's no denying that. But that's, that's assuming the best case scenario for both players. If you give me the best case scenario for Christian McCaffrey for the next three years and remove the injury risk, like if we can turn on Madden and turn it off, <laughs> I would take Akers over, I would take McCaffrey over Akers and the pick. But as soon as we include the fact that McCaffrey's been hurt the last two seasons, and I get it, we don't want to predict injuries moving forward, but I just want to negate that risk. I want to take that off the table. So I'm getting the 23 first and slate, the, the value in this deal, and I'm getting Akers as a, if, even if Akers gets hurt, let's look at it this way too. Next year, McCaffrey's going to go into age 27, and who knows yeah. what happens. So whether he has a great season or a bad season, I'm going to take the average outcome, which is probably the average outcome is, let's say, McCaffrey plays 13 or 14 games, finishes the RB4, RB3, and he goes into age 27. A 23 first will probably be worth McCaffrey. So I'm kind of getting a free acres after this season. So that's why I want that side. Izzy just stole my question. Uh, My question was going to be, let's pretend exactly what you said just happens. McCaffrey plays let's say 14 games, which honestly is great for a running yeah. back in this, in the now, what is it? 18, 14 six. games is like the norm. Cause you, you have running backs like get banged up and miss a couple games. Yeah. Okay. And since it's Christian McCaffrey, who cares that he missed a couple of games, he finishes as the top five running back. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, right now in the calculator, Christian McCaffrey is the RB two at 40 points. Yeah. Makes sense to me. What is Christian McCaffrey next year after playing 14 games and be, and finishing, let's say, RB4, just, uh, you know. Somewhere, like, wherever Kamara is if Kamara didn't have legal issues. So, like... So, probably low 30s in value. Probably low 30s in value. So, value, off the top of my head, I don't know where that is, but, like, probably, like, a low RB1 in Dynasty rankings. Yeah. So, the, but the fact is, he, I don't think, physically even though this is insanely hypothetically because it's dynasty value, I don't think he can keep value in next year from where he is right now. And that's what makes me, if anything, go towards the youth and go towards the pick, because like Izzy said, if let's pretend both of these running backs flame out because they get injured again. Yeah. That 23 first is gold. Even if it's the 112, that will be worth more than both of those running backs. So Yeah, but um like what what is he said and what you're I think what you're leading to of um McCaffrey next year being like approximately maybe equal to the twenty three first. Even so, like in between now and then you're still getting top five running back production in your hypotheticals, which is extremely valuable. Yeah, in the hypotheticals. So I'm taking the hypotheticals and what you're saying is McCaffrey's one season is greater than Acres is one season plus the 23 first value insulation moving forward, right? No, what you're saying is that uh, if, 20, if McCaffrey after this season is worth a 23 first hypothetically, then Acres' rest of his career is equal to McCaffrey's one season. I think that's appropriate because of the produ- production that McCaffrey offers. Okay, so that's a better way to put it. So you, you don't like Acres, I assume. I don't. I mean, I like the idea of Acres, and uh, I acknowledge the um, the dual nature of 
uh, his range of outcomes. Like he could be a workhorse on a good offense, like a Joe Mixon last year, or he could get injured again. His value tanks and his like stock with the team tanks, and he's not used as much. He also has a low floor value wise, and you know he has. I liked his college profile, but he hasn't shown much of anything uh, through two seasons, and it's two seasons of injury. So I don't hate Cam Makers because his value is lower now, but um, for the rest of his career versus McCaffrey being a top five running back with the uh, possibility of being top one running back, I would take McCaffrey just because Her, the yeah, wins yeah. above replace, replacement you get there is phenomenal. Like, it, you should always be searching for league winners, and McCaffrey is the definition of league winning upside. Right. Akers also has that in the range of outcomes. But let's let's form it a different way, and I think this might drive the point home a little bit. You agree that the 23 first and, and McCaffrey will likely be even value next season? I think I could see that possibility. Okay. So that's, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's not unreasonable. Yeah. Okay. So would you rather have Akers and McCaffrey or a 23 first and one season of McCaffrey? Wait, what? <laughs> so we're flipping the pick, right? So you could, you could essentially, what you're saying is McCaffrey is worth Akers and the 23 first right now. You get one season of McCaffrey. Now McCaffrey and the 23 first are even. Uh-huh. So I'm asking you, and you can make that trade. Hypothetically, you can make that trade and switch back. So what would end up happening is you have Akers and McCaffrey for McCaffrey's rest of season after this season, the rest of career after this season, or a 23 first and one year of McCaffrey. Oh, so he's saying, make this trade so you end up with Akers and the first, and then after this season, trade that first to go get McCaffrey. Like, that's what you're, yeah, what, what Akash is saying is that that would be something that he would do. I might be confused because it's a yeah, lot. You, I mean, is, in my mind, it, you got pretty convoluted there. Yeah, in my mind, it makes sense, but I understand that how it could be confusing. I think I understand what you're saying. It's taking a leap, assuming you can make that trade. But I understand the idea. Yeah. But anyways, I, I, I get where you're coming from. You're basically the, the problem with the with your approach is that you're putting all of your future eggs into one season of McCaffrey's upside. And I don't love that idea, but I understand it. I, I think I get it. I totally do. I just wouldn't do it. If there's anyone to put like to go all in on, not that I'm putting all my eggs in one basket, getting him in every single league, but if there's someone I'm doing that on relative to his price, it's Christian McCaffrey. That's fair. So we're going to move on. Well, first, I guess, let me say, because I didn't actually give the values. Oh, yeah. The acres in a first is 47.6. McCaffrey is 40. So this spot on. Perfect mm -hmm. trade. Yeah. Probably about even if you put the reduction on that. Uh, you don't. Two for one, you're not putting a balance. Yeah, I don't. And no? I don't do reduction. I wouldn't. And we kind of leave the the unbalanced trade reduction for, you know, kind of context and it's up to the user, but I would never do a reduction with first round picks. Yeah. With pieces. Cause they don't big. take up a roster spot. That is right. True. So you don't have to drop anybody and they just, they offer so much value insulation that they're not really a drag on, on any sort of trade. I wouldn't consider that a, if you're doing it with like a bunch of thirds, then yeah, but <laughs> with a first, no. Yeah, go trade like 20 thirds for T. Higgins. It works in the calculator. Send it. Sooner yeah. or later it will. 
<laughs> okay, this next trade I love because no one can use the I want to win this season, so I'm going to do this. We have two young wide receivers who are karmically tied together. We have Marquise Brown for Rashad Bateman straight up. Mm. And the even more fun part is they are exactly even in the calculator at 21 points each. Nice. So that is awesome. So And in the I think it was 50-50 in the poll too. That's crazy. Even uh, this choice is an easy one for me, but I want to see what you it guys It kind of is first. for me, too. But If anyone, like, listens to this but also follows me on Twitter, they know what I'm going to say. So I'll let yeah, they know what, yeah, we know what Akash is going to say. Who do you got, Izzy? Uh, I have Bateman. I, pretty, pretty easily. Um, I, I, I shouldn't... Okay, it's, it's wrong. Okay, I know that it's wrong for me to say pretty easily. I, I completely... I'll come out and say that that's the wrong way to approach this. Before you go on, if you go to the Dynasty Trade Calculator, type in Rashad Bateman, you will see the little badge <laughs> that says Izzy's man. <laughs> and if a certain producer of this show would give up his quality time for just a few minutes to put a badge next to a player that would be Akasha's man, it would be Marquez Brown. Marquise Brown, sorry. Mm -hmm. That was... Yep. Correct, incorrectly pronounced. So that is why like, this makes me smile. <laughs> Another reason. So, sorry, yeah. Izzy. Go yeah, ahead. yeah, no, absolutely. So that's why Akash and I are on different. But I believe Akash also likes Bateman, but I'm not 100% sure. I do like him. I liked him more before the Marquis trade because his value was lower. And then now it's getting up to a range where I'm like a little bit more uneasy because his rookie season, I like him as a prospect. I really like him as a prospect. Uh, but his rookie season was just okay like he had off the top of my head like eight points per game and uh 17 percent target share i can check it you guys want me to but the idea is there that no no his rookie season wasn't spectacular and it should bring you down from where you were on him as a prospect because some of his comps aren't the best but i do recognize that there's still upside yeah he also missed a lot of time not just during the season, but preseason and all of that. So all my things are are per game. So no, no, I'm saying no, I'm saying that he missed a lot of that important time, not just during the season, preseason. but preseason as I well. Mean, so like every other wide receiver had some had something too. Like Tony, we're talking Tony about a, time, but we're talking about a Tony missed time, Elijah missed time, Devonta Smith had a pre uh, like a training camp injury, uh, Chase. I don't know if he had anything, but he had the drops issues. He had to get used to the right. white stripes. He had a problem with his eyes for a little bit. Um, but pretty much every single rookie last. Waddle had the thing with his ankle that had people worried in training camp because he injured his ankle the year before. I mean, th that yeah, all the guys you're mentioning, though. Football injuries happen. You know, but all the guys you're mentioning were stepping into being the number one or two target option in the, on their team. Yeah. Where Bateman was the number three stepping into that. So it's like there is... Not only was he going to a lower, well, I guess that's untrue because the Ravens, I think, finished eighth in pass attempts, but he stepped into the 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 third option in the offense, whereas the rest of the guys were one and two, one or two. Yeah, and he earned he earned a role well for a third option, uh, especially as a rookie. I just uh, think yeah. that he could have earned a bit more. You know, like um, like it's not that he had to take away from Andrews and. Hollywood is, you know, you could take some away from Duvernay, Prochet, Proche, I don't know, um, Wallace, yeah. et cetera, Watkins, um, mm -hmm. all the other like 
wide receivers behind him. No one's taking anything away from Sammy Watkins. <laughs> yeah, seventeen percent target share for a the third option is pretty good. Yeah. Right now he steps Not into the, the second option, and literally there's nobody behind him. Yeah. It's like he is going to have to be good. Maybe. I mean, the only way the only way Bateman does not succeed him. is yeah, exactly. So the only way Bateman does not substantially increase in value is if Bateman's just not good. Right. So it really comes down to I'm putting my faith in Bateman actually being good. Yeah. So I'm willing to risk it on that notion. Like I think there's there's nothing behind him and I like him as a player mm-hmm. going into year 2. So I view this very simply as he doesn't need to be great. He just needs to be good. And that is enough for me to say, yep, I want that. Whereas Marquise Brown, we kind of already have seen the type of player that he is. He has a chance to really, I, I think I could see Marquise Brown for the first six weeks being, I think I think Hopkins has gone six weeks or he's gone six eight. Six weeks. Yeah. Six. So the first six weeks, I can legitimately see Hollywood being wide receiver six ish that'd be amazing i'd love that i could see that i could see that happening if you if you told me i went to the future and marquise brown was a top five receiver for the first five six weeks i wouldn't be shocked i would be shocked but i'm like yeah it's certainly possible it's just six weeks maybe he had some big game so yeah well he's saying he's worried when hopkins comes back Worry. Yeah. So I'm, but but here here's why I view this as a give me the the Bateman side is we know that Hopkins exists and you could make the case that it's that it's a good <laughs> yes, thing. He does. He does right? exist. So I think we so all agree on that. We well, yeah, he, he does for not just not the first six weeks. So the fact that Hollywood Brown is guaranteed to be the wide receiver two in an offense. And and my and mind you, the Ravens last season, like I said, were eighth in pass attempts. They didn't have a running back. I don't think a lot of people know that. So I know that they'll it's, get a running back now. Yeah, they drafted a bunch of running backs. So. Well, they're they're getting Dobbins back. They're going to have an actual running back and not Devonta Freeman. Dobbins, Gus, Batty. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm I don't not know. saying they're going to completely abandon the pass. I just I think going back to eighth and pass attempts is going to. I be... think they're going to go in between in between 2019 and 2021. I don't think they're going to go to the decrepit ways of 2020. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. So let's say they're even if they're top top half, top right? Half, even yeah. the, somewhere in the That's middle. Pretty top much half. matching the Cardinals' volume. That's what the Cardinals. Right. So yeah, now we're we're matching the Cardinals' volume. I want Bateman. As the wide receiver one, and I get it, he'll be sharing with Andrews, just yeah. like Marquise Brown will be sharing with Hopkins. As a target earner, I would take Andrews over Hopkins. But now here's the big thing. If Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman both have 90 receptions for 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns, I'm just going to throw out random numbers, Bateman's value is substantially higher than Marquise Brown. Yeah, I'd agree on that because he's younger. So, but I would put the percentage chance of hitting that to be lower for Bateman and the floor to be lower too. But that was also almost the exact stat line from last year for Hollywood Brown. Just right. And, yards. And, so and, Marquis, and Marquise Brown did not see a, a significant spike in value. So what we know about Marquise Brown is that he needs to have an otherworldly season 
for his value to spike, to get really good ROI. So you're kind of buying into Hollywood Brown right now and you're limited, you're capped into your return on investment. With Bateman, he has so much ceiling from a value perspective to go as long as he's one thing, good. He just needs to be good. And I'm banking on that. So that's why I have Bateman over Brown in a trade like this. There's just so much. You talk about you know, upside and the week-to-week stuff. Sure. I, I, I view them both very similarly. I can see them both pr- producing at a similar rate. But Bateman gives me so much more potential to flip him down the road if I want to for a lot more than what Marquise Brown. So that is the split for me. And I shift to Bateman. All right. Akash, your rebuttal. Yeah, I would I, I would agree with you on their on value. But uh as far as picking the player and obviously scoring drives, like the vast majority of the time, scoring drives value. And so we can try to look at some market trends, but by and large, the players who score highly are gonna be the most valued highly. Um, but not Marquise Brown. And then adjusting based on age. We already saw it with Marquise Brown. He's, he produced. He's small. People hate him because he's well, small. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, he's not going to get bigger. I know. I know. I'm just adjusting. <laughs> I'm joking. But I know. But he's. I feel like a lot of people were down on Hollywood uh, on his value because of the situation. And his value did go up when the situation changed. A little bit. Um, Very slightly, but a lot less than I expected. There's some price anchoring there, but. I think that uh, people are a lot higher on him in this new situation. And, w- and we've seen it uh, because his redraft ADP or best ball ADP has gone all the way up until round three right now. That's where his, redraft, his best ball ADP is right now. People are high on him. Yeah, for redraft. I agree. And I'm high on him for redraft too. I have a redraft. I'm taking Brown over Bateman. But in Dynasty, for me, it's, it's, not, it's not close. Okay. Um, one more question and then we'll move on. Izzy, what mm. would how much better of a season would Brown have to have over Bateman for next year to for Brown to have a I'm not even gonna say sizable, but like a decent dynasty value lead over Bateman? This is a great question because I think it's less about what Marquise Brown does and more about what Bateman does. So how bad of a season would Bateman have to have? Yeah, the question. That's what I would say. I agree with that. That I yeah, that's now that's so I think if Bateman puts up like a 800-yard season, then it's Marquise Brown. I think Bateman needs to do 800-plus. And I've given kind of a, a – this isn't like a – It's a rough uh, estimation. Yeah it's, a rough, yeah, it's a rough number. 800 would be probably where I look at the Mendoza line would probably settle. If he does like 900 and change, you know, and gets a good target share, people will latch on to that. Are you weighing in touchdowns or is it just not sticky so you don't care? Yeah, I'm not a big, t- I'm not a big touchdown. Yeah, it's it's too variable for me. Yeah, but I agree with that. Yeah, nine hundred plus. Hard to predict touchdowns. If he has eight hundred yards and like fifteen touchdowns, his points will go up. So people are going to value. That's, that's yeah. such a Raven stat line. <laughs> <laughs> you never can tell with touchdowns, but but yeah. So like, if if he does nine hundred yards and Marquise Brown does twelve hundred, I still think going into next season, Bateman's ADP will be higher than Brown's. Do you guys want to hear okay. Rashad Bateman's comps for his rookie not, seasons? Yeah, not, not really. No, you don't like them? I mean, I'll, I'll listen to... Okay, <laughs> how about this? I want to hear them because I'm curious, but I probably won't put much weight into it. I think they illustrate 
um, what I think about Bateman pretty well because, well, partly because I made them and partly because they drive what I think because they tell me things that <laughs> okay. I might not see on the surface. But his comps are Alshon Jeffrey, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Boyd, Will Fuller, Portland Sutton, Tavon Austin, John Brown, Kendall Wright, Robert Woods. And I'll stop it there because there's like probably 10 more names. It's such a weird grouping of players. It's just statistically. All I heard was DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> that's what, all, so that's that, what that's... people see because he's at the top. <laughs> yeah. But statistically, um, that's where his rookie season falls. And some of those are better prospects and some of them are uh, worse prospects. I never thought I'd hear Cortland Sutton and Tavon Austin put together <laughs> in a grouping. But here's here's the thing with stuff like that. It's just looking at their um, the role in production as a rookie, and so it illustrates right. that he does have a good ceiling, but that the floor is substantially lower than Brown's. Yeah, it just it, it's just illustrating a range of outcomes. So basically, right, exactly. his range of outcomes is who the f- knows. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's everyone. <laughs> uh, okay, the next trade we have is C.D. Lamb, Clyde Edwards, Elair for Mike Gusecki. Kenny Galladay, oh, and DeAndre Swift. The thing we need to know about this trade, it is two points per tight end reception. So one more time, C.D. Lamb, C.E.H. for DeAndre Swift, Mike Gusecki, Kenny Galladay in a league where tight ends get two points per reception. Um, Akash, you said you had this one clear as a daisy in your head. So which side are you taking? I'm, I'm going to take a lamb here. Like, it's tough. I never take the lamb side of trades, but I'm going to take that side of here. Oh, you said, is it tough or is it easy? It's tough, definitely. But, oh, okay. Um, I mean, the different, I have lambs with pretty close. I take Swift, but the value is about the same. But then Edwards Alaire versus Galladay and Gasicki seems like a pretty easy one to me. Like, I understand that the value might be close, but like in tight end premium, the value might be close, but. Tight end premium doesn't change the fact that Gasicki's still a low tight end one. So I'll take Clyde Edwards-Belair, who has upside there. The point of tight end premium is not to change rankings inside the position. I know, I know. It is to change the rankings of tight ends amongst other positions. I know. But You're you're only starting one of them, though. Oh, no. It's going to turn into a tight end premium debate. Yeah, no, we t- we've done this before, but you're only starting one. I mean, no matter what, you're starting one. So you're still competing within the tight, tight end. premium, like, in my mind, really just helps, like, uh, the top tight ends. It just h- helps the best, the top five or six tight ends become better, but it doesn't help Gesicki. The top tight, yeah. And maybe, maybe if the value falls your way, you can go bully tight end. But the, I'm not, like, shooting Gesicki up the every position dynasty ranks because it's a tight end premium. I'll move them up, but it's not going to move. Literally, that's the point. You, nope. you said the words. <laughs> that, that's the point. Okay, but so you're taking the lamb side and you're taking the lamb side. You sa- By the way, the calculator has this 51.1 to 51.4. Yet again, yeah, another insanely even trade we've pulled. They must have used the calculator. Right? Look at that. You guys are just <laughs> doing great. So God's work, guys. The Lord's work. <laughs> So, Akash, you said between Lamb and Swift, you would take who? Swift. Izzy, between those two players specifically, who would you take? Lamb. Say one more time. Lamb? Lamb, yeah. Okay. Now, break it down the rest of it. CEH for Galladay and Gesicki. Akash, which are you taking? CEH. Okay. Izzy, CEH for Galladay and Gesicki. Who are you taking? 
don't really care. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I would probably take, I would, I would take Gasicki and Galladay only because, and this is the problem with Akash and I knowing the real value of tight end premium for a guy like Gasicki, but the sheeple don't. <laughs> so, and those sheeple are the people in my leagues. <laughs> so I have to disrespect everybody in my league. I have to assume that everybody in my league does not get it the way I get it. That's the only way you can go about this. So I would take Gesicki and I would know that people are going to overvalue Gesicki because they realize that it's a two-point tight end premium league. And I will try to take advantage of that ability. Where CEH, nobody in my leagues wisely wants CEH. But I think CEH is better than what people give him credit for, and I think he's very undervalued in Dynasty. I would be okay acquiring CEH at this price. But I still think that Gesicki gives me more flip opportunity than CEH does. There is no forgiving CEH anymore. <laughs> he's so he's underwhelmed so much, and it's because of his expect, expectation mm-hmm. that nobody's going to give him a chance, even if he has a good start to the season. So I'm looking at Gesicki and Galladay on this one and saying I'd rather have that side. However, I've kind of shifted my dynasty philosophy to where I really don't want top five running backs anymore. Like, I just don't want them. Mm -hmm. You get them to flip them. I just keep getting burned. Like, we just keep getting burned by, like, the, the running back market shifts so often that I like the stability of Lamb. And honestly... If you really consider Lamb's production and just kind of how he's been, his efficiency number, like last year, he was really not that good. If you look at advanced analytics and just numbers in general. Mm-hmm. Now, he was good. He was I'm, just overrated. He's, yeah, that's a good, thank you, Akash. He was, he's good, not great. He was below, he's below expectations. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But the ceiling there is so massive for both of these guys, Swift and Lamb. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Lamb has just, he's less likely to get hurt. He has a little bit more value installation slightly. And he's not inside of the top five running back. So I'd much rather take Swift, cash him out, get that Lamb, right? And then... Go get that Lamb. I would honestly, we, we're almost going to talk about this. I would just go get Jamal Williams. Yeah. Instead, like, I would just go get Jamal Williams and be like, okay, get well, the idea Jamal, Jamal Williams, Williams will likely, yeah, he'll likely see the field. And then Swift might get hurt. And if he right. does, then it's I got It's so easy to go zero RB in Dynasty because you have so many bench bots. Yep. Yes. That's a good way. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I like the Lamb side here. I, I do think the trade is very close. I, if this poll was put up, I would not be surprised if it landed 50 in the, you know, 55, 45, 50, 50. And I do not disagree with anybody picking the Swift side. But I will take the Lamb side. I am of the mind that Tyreek Hill coming over to the Dolphins doesn't greatly affect Jalen Waddle's target percentage. Yeah. But if, I, if that's the way I believe, and Akash just said, yeah, whose targets is he taking? Mm. Kind of taking Gasicki. Waddle had like a 20, what was his 26, 27%, 25% target share? You know, Tyreek, off the top of my head, has never hit that in his career. So wait, you're trying to tell me Waddle was 25% in that's including only the games that he Yeah. 
Interesting. Felt like a lot more than that. Yeah, he was good. Really? 25% he, of the rookie. He had like 140 targets or something crazy. They passed a lot. No. No, they didn't pass a lot. Never mind. They passed middle of the pack. And, but he had a 25% target share, which is really good as a rookie. How many, how many pass attempts did they have as a team? Pass attempts? I thought I would say like 550-ish. Um, so you're saying that they had 600, right? At 25%. So they would have had to have five, well, I guess 560. 570-ish. Some of those, some, well, some pass attempts aren't targets because you have throwaways and spikes. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Okay, so maybe, yeah, okay, 25%. Right, so, so they had if, if 600, the same. 615 pass attempts as a team. Okay. And they had, as targets as a team, they had 600 exactly. Well, 599. Okay. I rounded up. Okay, so he had, yeah. Interesting. So we're trying to say, Russ, that he stays at 25%. Ish. What is, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, negligible enough. Like my, like Tyreek going there definitely will hurt him because Tyreek's a really good player. But I think you could also see an uh, increase from his uh, rookie to sophomore year because a lot of players do that. And it's hard to increase from 25%. But I think like just like a, a sophomore leap um probably has him staying around the same range something interesting that uh i was looking at and this isn't something that i know a lot about or do a lot of work with well the dolphins ran a lot of two wide receiver sets last year um and that can increase your target percentage because you're not competing with as many wide receivers you're competing with running backs and tight ends for targets and they just don't earn targets at uh, a rate like wide receivers do and it's one of the reasons why Corey davis's 2020 target share was kind of inflated um so it is something to note like i'm they had a coaching change it might go down uh if that could be something that could contribute to it going down but by and large i do expect them to i expect waddle to have a similar share of the team's uh passing offense all right let me change my wording would you be shocked if waddle and hill had about 50 percent of targets yes uh 50 maybe 45 would be around yeah. come on man i yeah. don't I, here's see like i am worried i'm not worried about waddle i'm worried about all the ancillary players and that involves gaseki for me in I which case gaseki isn't like gaseki isn't a good great tight end he's not even not even good he's a he, he's a pretty good slot receiver right he's a he's a no he's a below average slot receiver who gets points because he's lining up a slot receiver and gets points at tight end in fantasy football and you don't need a lot of points in at tight end for fantasy football. Like, if you, if right. he was actually a wide receiver, the way he lines up on the field in fantasy football, he would be a wide receiver four or five. So, the way I'm saying is, if even if, like, CeeDee Lamb and DeAndre Swift are close, I think, no matter how you slice it, yeah. I'll feel, even however you feel about CEH, he's a running back too. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, want, you don't want to cry putting him in your RB2 spot. I don't feel safe putting Galladay or Gusecki in my lineup. At this point, hmm. I, I yeah, I don't know. And value wise, I don't think there's anyone that high on Gasecki anymore. No, I don't. Think yes, b- being a two point per reception, he's a starting tight end. People will want to trade for him because yes, people will overvalue the heck out of a tight end premium, especially when it's that high. But a couple of games into the season, I think it will be a little bit more transparent that it might not be worth it. And with not real competition. And the running back position being brought in against CEH. Sorry, Rojo people. Just not there for it. 
Certainly not in the receiving game. That's Edward Zolaire. So, like, I feel okay about CEH if you're if you're ready to assume he's going to be an RB2. So to me, this is pretty easily the Lamb and CEH side. Yeah, and I don't like being, like, the Short second... story way longer than it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like um, saying that this, like, the minor pieces in the deal are what sells me on it, but Edward Zolaire versus Kasiki Galladay is what sells me on it because Lamb and Swift are so close. I'm removing Galladay from this. I'm not even considering him as a piece. Yeah, me too, pretty much. Um, he used to think he was so good. I know. I mean, to be fair, he was he was pretty good. You know, he was a top uh, 12 wide receiver at one point. I don't know what the hell's happened in New York, but certainly... Well, he went to the Giants. That's the problem. <laughs> certainly close to nothing now. All right, here is our last trade, which is a very interesting one because there is a lot of names going on here. This trade is Derek Carr, Saquon Barkley, Chris Godwin, and a 23 first for Joe Burrow, the 110 and the 112. A lot of names. Whew, okay, so let's 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 break it down. <laughs> the, the Derek Carr side is worth 92.3. The Joe Burrow side is worth 82. Mm-hmm. Age is going pretty easily towards the Joe Burrow side since you have a 25-year-old quarterback in rookie picks as opposed to a 25-year-old running back, a 31-year-old quarterback. And, I mean, 26 isn't bad for a wide receiver, but yeah. every year he goes up will make it yeah. harder and harder. Plus, given his situation with Brady being year-to-year in everyone's mind, that might take on Godwin's value as well. Mm-hmm. Can we can we agree as a unit here that let's just assume the 110-112 equals a 23 first? About so, yeah. So a mid-23 first is equivalent to two late 22 first. Yeah. Can we just negate that? Are we good with that? I'm okay with that. Russ? I mean, I don't feel great about it, but for the sake of the show. Which I'll side? For the sake of prefer? crossing stuff out and making this easy to digest. Then... Oh, I, I, I don't think in the real world anyone's trading a 23 first, the 110 and 112. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe. You get more shots out of like, the wide receivers in that range. But that was, that's beside the point. The value seems about right. And that's, and that's what I care about when I'm crossing things out. The value, yes, because the value in the calculator is twenty seven point five to twenty four. In which case, okay. right, you're overpaying so for the enough. better piece. In which case, it's fine. Yeah. So yeah, cross out the picks. So in that case, in Izzy's case, Derek Carr, Saquon Barkley, Chris Godwin for Joe Burrow, mm. and that in the calculator would be sixty eight point three to fifty four point five. And then if it's if it's unbalanced, reduced yeah. out of curiosity. 54.7 to 54.5. God damn. Yeah, it seems about I mean, equal. Honestly, and it's, it, it was 50-50 in the... Uh... In the poll? Okay. Okay, let, let me bring this to one question. One question for you guys. Is Joe Burrow a difference-making fantasy quarterback? No. Not in this day That's and age. That's a very quick yet. answer. Well, not yet. Um, not in a predictable way. It's a lot easier to predict um, rushing volume than it is passing efficiency. He was efficient last year, um, and I think that certainly he could have a really efficient season that vaults him into close to difference-making, but it's really hard to predict that. Not really hard to predict that. It's just, it's just uncertain whether he reaches that. Right. I think that playoff run completely changes the trajectory of Joe Burrow's career. He needed it badly. I mean... Not just us to believe in him, but and I think for himself, like he's coming off that injury, 
he didn't have the greatest of rookie seasons even before the injury. He was good as a rookie. Think, if you compare him to other rookies, yeah, but he was really his good. ADOT was sure, really but he weirdly low, and it wasn't anything spectacular. But he had like he had like a almost almost an eighty PFF passing grade as a rookie, and that's really good. Yeah, it was right on par yeah, with Herbert. PFF, PFF and FPF and SPF. They're pretty good at I predicting. Don't really care. They're pretty good at uh, their grades. Are right. Sure, sure. I. Th- I don't think Joe Burrow's looking at his PFF grade and being like, damn, I was good. Right. But I yeah. think Joe Burrow looks at his I think Joe Burrow looks at his run last season. Yeah. Into the in the playoffs and it's like I think that not I think it just changes the franchise in general. Like that was massive for them. And he's just he's swagged out the way that he I'm kind of looking at this from a a human a human being perspective, a psychological perspective. I think it changes a lot. So I look at Burrow now, and I can see him kind of taking the next step as a quarterback. He got that dog in him, man. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know about the dog in him and all of that. I don't know any of that. I haven't actually sat down. I don't hang out with him, so I don't know. But kind of the exact opposite thing with Carson Wentz, where Nick Foles won the Super Bowl with his team, and Carson Wentz, like, his his confidence went to shit. Yeah. Right? I think it took a lot of... That was probably the worst thing that ever happened to Carson Wentz is them actually winning with Nick Foles. So the exact opposite with Joe Burrow. Like he literally put that team on his back. So when I say not yet, it's because we haven't seen it, Akash, in a in a fantasy, you know, during a fantasy season. Mm-hmm. But I think it's coming. Where Joe where where Justin Herbert is right now in a fantasy in a, in the fantasy world, I think Joe Burrow is gonna be right there with him this time next year. I will not be surprised if it's Josh Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow as the top four. I would almost put that as if I were predicting what's going to be next year, I would put them as the top four. That's interesting. And I'm kind of putting a lot of eggs into the Burrow taking that next step basket based on that playoff run. And mind you, Justin Herbert's not getting all, he's not getting a ton of points on the ground. No. I would say from a rushing perspective, you can make the case that Joe Burrow, is a better runner of the football. Maybe before his ACL injury. Yeah, I guess, yeah. We'll see what happens with his ACL injury now. And a year removed, he's probably going to rush more than he did last year where he only had like 100 yards. And Herbert yeah. had 300. So, yeah, so I, I I think coming off the second year off that ACL, what we saw in college, Joe Burrow was a better, run, a better runner than Justin Herbert. Yeah. He was just a, he's not like so, a statue, but he's not Konami. They're, hey, they're both... Sneaky athletic, right? Yes, right, guys. Whitely athletic. So, <laughs> so I, I can see, I can see Burrow and Herbert kind of being side by side. You could see it. You said you could see it, but then you said you expect it. I think it's definitely possible, but it's a lot harder to predict. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So, sorry, I, I do expect it. What he has is he has the weapons. They're trying to work on the offensive line, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's always good to see. You love to see it. Burrow, if Burrow has time, even when he didn't have time in the play, he was fantastic. So if you give him time, he's only going to be better. So now I look at this and say, Saquon doesn't get me hard anymore. Godwin, I actually like, but like Russ was saying, he's... I like him at value, but I don't like him as much as I did before yes. the ACL injury. It's only because the ACL oh, yes, injury I do like has him at value too. dropped his value. But the problem is, is that we've seen the wide receiver dead zone is 27 to 29 in terms of value. So like 
What do you mean dead zone? Like, yeah, value, the, the, the value dead zone. Where oh, it's, but that's prime production ages. Yeah, It is prime production ages, but I don't want to pay for Godwin now and then just deal with that 20. Like, I'll just wait because I, I think that his value will still go down even with a decent season. Mm, might, um, yeah. So Derek Carr, who I think is very underrated. I like him a lot, but he doesn't have the upside as a quarterback. His best case scenario is what, like QB 7-8 with Devontae Adams? Like 11-12. Well, no, with Devontae Adams, his best case has got to be. With Renfro, Waller, Adams, he's got to be. And, and a bad defense, know. he's got to be better than QB 11. Depends on your touchdown settings, but he's never been QB 1 except for one season, Correct. 2016. Um, he does have good but weapons. Never, but he's never had. And he doesn't, he doesn't rush. Yep, but he's never had Waller, Waller, Adams, and Renfro, so I'm I'm giving right. him the bump because of that. The way it's way um like it's very slim chance he's like Brady level of passing, which is how you get to be a top five quarterback without any rushing. But more likely, he's in the he's more of like a Stafford or Cousins type of uh, production, and that's your what yeah, you said of like eight to twelve, and so. Yeah, I think okay. I think so, they're both like Stafford last year was 11th in points per game and Kirk Cousins was 12. So I I assume that you're, I guess yeah, I, maybe you're not on the Burrow side because you don't see him making the same, same leap as I do. But I I think it's even though I like Derek Carr and I think he has that upside, I'm taking Burrow here. I'm a big fan in Dynasty of working my way up the most difficult position to attain in in Dynasty. So I like solidifying my quarterback position and then worrying about the rest in the coming seasons. So yeah. give me my two quarterbacks. Let me not have to worry about the, the hardest position to acquire in Dynasty, especially high end in that position. Mm-hmm. And then I'll worry about the receivers and running backs later because you can draft them and you can trade for them a lot easier than you can the high end tight ends and the high end quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm with you on the Burrow side. It's close, but I'm with you. Oh, I, th- I think it's close as well. If I saw Hertz as not Hertz, sorry. If I saw Carr as more of like a difference of a difference maker, then maybe I'd go to the other side. But where he stands and the uh, no rush abilities, then I just don't see him having that much upside. And you're really looking at pretty replaceable production. Even if he does have good weapons, he would need to pass a lot. And that's that's something I was going to say earlier that a lot of QB scoring is predicated like solely on passing volume and rushing but for passing production you're really just looking at volume and being a good quarterback drives high volume offenses but it's really hard to predict volume year to year yeah it's weird because he I and mean, Derek Hart ran a four in the four sixes so like he can run yeah he just doesn't he hasn't throughout his whole career you know yeah he does it's weird man yeah but yeah Russ what do you got I see Derek Carr, who could finish as a top 15 quarterback. I see Saquon, who I still believe can finish as a top five running back. And I see Chris Godwin, who I think is immensely talented. I don't care what team he ends up on. I don't care who. I mostly don't care who his quarterback is once Tom Brady decides to stop playing, because it's not like he's ever going to decline in talent because he's not human. (laughs) So it's really tough for me to say, give me Joe Burrow for those three pieces. Me too. Because but I, think I like I have to. points, but I get it. I think 
if I were to approach things like Izzy or if my team wasn't great, I understand making the move to Burrow so you then can figure the rest out later because you will have slice it even not having Burrow as that difference maker. He's still a top seven quarterback in a super flex league. So, yeah, I think in everywhere but my brain, I'm taking Joe Burrow because my heart says go after Burrow. My finger will hit the accept button and take Burrow. But my brain's like, that's just a lot of points. That's it truly is a I third know. of a lineup that I that I'm, I'm kind of giving away for it. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think Burrow's the right answer. You finished QB eight last season, right? And when what I'm looking at, I finished QB eight with a horseshit offensive line. Oh yeah. He had a 70.4 completion percentage, which I know a lot of people don't care about that number yet. You know, a 2.7 to one, or sorry, uh, 34 to 14. So what is that touchdown reception ratio? Like two and change, 2.3 ish. So pretty good touchdown interception ratio considering he had 4,600 yards and that's with a garbage. He was sacked 51 times. It's a horrible offensive line. The most important thing is volume because he was a really efficient passer last year on like yards per attempt, adjusted net yards per attempt. He he also still has three great wide receivers. Right. And I mean, Hayden Hurst isn't a downgrade on he's an upgrade cj uzuma well, he's, an upgrade. That's probably... he's a whatever I no i think it's completely lateral i just don't think it matters who they are uzama's not very good uzama catches touchdowns sometimes because quarterback's joe burrow but he's not very good. exactly and i don't think hayden hurst is going to do anything no, I don't. yeah i agree differently so but give me chase higgins and boyd and i'm happy right what i, what I was going to say is that he was really efficient last year as a passer, but they didn't throw as much as they did in the previous Bengals two season. Maybe it was because of Mixon was healthy. Maybe it's because of Mixon. Yeah. Maybe it's because of the easing him back because of ACL or whatever. But because it's when it's third and one, you got to give the ball to Samaj P. Ryan. That's why. <laughs> right. I do hope that they pass more, but it's really hard to predict passing volume. They're going to need to pass quite a bit more for him to vault into top uh, difference make production at quarterback. But regardless, are you taking Burrow in this mini deal that we've created from the big deal, Akash? Yes, but I'm the same where you are, where my brain doesn't <laughs> like it, but I feel like I got to. You're leaving points on the table, though. Uh, one of the things is though, I could I could see Carr outscoring Burrow. Like it's it's their overlapping range of outcomes. I don't think it happens, but it's certainly possible. And if that's if that's the case, you've lost Godwin and and take one production. And not giving up any production, but Burrow obviously carries a lot more value, and I think the value is on the Burrow side. And simply, yeah. the value okay. of locking up that quarterback is. I will nice. end this by giving asking one question that I know Izzy will love that I'm asking. What's the value of this going to be next year? Because Carr, ha- they the Raiders can get out of Carr so easily after this season. Were they? Though? And then you have a 32. 32- why wouldn't they if they schedule if they purposely formatted his contract like that yeah you know, they made that before they had the breakout of renfro and trade for adams though and yeah, but regardless it's but it's something that will affect his value a 32 year old quarterback's value which honestly 32 year old should not really affect a quarterback's value but it will yeah saquon barkley who regardless of what he does this season will be 26 and still on the giants probably maybe if not, he's, he's going agent. to a second team, in which case it just ruins his value even more. 
And then 27 year old Chris Godwin, where we don't know what his quarterback is going to be year to year. And like, as he said, once a wide receiver hits 27, he's practically 30 in everyone's mind. And you have a 26 year old Joe Burrow. Like saying it like that, if I'm just thinking about value, makes this so easily Burrow. Yeah, I just, yeah. I go, I keep going back to the fact that he had the high, if you look at just his yards per attempt, whether you adjust it, whether you don't adjust it, you look at just how efficient he was with how many shots he took down the field. He led the league in all of the adjusted yard metrics for pass attempts. He led the league in completion percentage, which is is somewhat correlated. So we can kind of call those. You don't want to stack them on top of each other, but double counting you know, kind of helps. Yeah, but he was also sacked most in the league. So it's like there there shouldn't be. It's kind of counterintuitive if I tell you that this player led the league in yards per attempt, which once again is correlated to completion percentage, but was also sacked the most in the league. Are we talking about Russell Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Russell Wilson. I don't. Russell Wilson actually last season. I guess he well, was last season. He, he was he, he, yeah. sometime. Um, but um, what you're what you're saying, like, are you are you using the sacks as a negative? No, I'm using this as a as a. I think if he has more time, oh, okay, and he has a yeah. better, like we've seen what he has done. Like most times right. when we look at quarterbacks like this, we say, well, imagine what. Like I know he didn't have that great of a season, but. If they do something with the offensive line, mm-hmm. he's going to be better. Like what yeah. we're seeing is Joe Burrow is a an elite passer with a bad offensive line. I want to see him. What? How much better does he get if you just take that offensive line and just make it not the worst in the league or one of the worst in the league? Make it like just middle of the road. And now I think we're looking at a completely different, like even yeah. better player. So since we don't really need to sell Joe Burrow to me or Akash, we are going to call this the end of the show because we feel like I feel like we've been talking for like three hours and (laughs) we're doing this at night weirdly and I'm ready for bed. And at Dynasty Outhouse at DTC underscore Izzy E at YZR underscore fantasy. This is the Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast. We'll see you next time.